Hello, friend. This is Taylor with an exciting and important announcement before this episode begins. For the past few years, I've gotten lots of requests from men in my courses for an in-person workshop or retreat. And I'm happy to say that this year it's finally happening in the beautiful mountains just outside of Asheville on July 11th through the 14th. And it includes a nine-week online men's group and training that starts three weeks before the retreat to help us integrate the work we're going to be doing together into our regular everyday lives. The program is called Liberate Your Life Force, and it's for any man who wants to feel truly vital and alive and liberated in his life on a daily basis in things like sex, relationships, in your family, in your business, and with your mission and purpose in life. Yes, <laughs> let's take a breath to that. <sighs> mm. I am co-facilitating this program with my good friend Thomas Duchin, and we've created this program based on our years of working with hundreds of men and figuring out some of the most effective and powerful ways to help us break through the most common ways men get blocked in life, with things like sexual shame, emotional closure and numbness, being the lone wolf, being the nice guy, difficulty receiving, and so many more ways that we hold ourselves back. The good news is we can actually work through these things and come out way stronger on the other side, especially when supported by a group of men and in-person processes that challenge you to become your best self. If this is something that sounds good to you, you can go to my website and click the retreat menu option to learn more. And know that enrollment is first come, first serve by application only, and it's limited to just 18 men, so we can have a truly powerful and tight-knit group. It's going to be profound, it's going to be fun, it's going to be challenging, and I'm so excited to share it with you and the group of men who have already signed up. So if you're interested, again, check out my website. And with all that being said, let's get into today's episode. It's so unique because... You know, it's just not something that most people are going to experience, nor should they, mm -hmm. right? But within it, there's definitely a lot of knowledge that I don't think you could obtain any other way. And so that's what I try and, and, and give to my clients is like a new perspective, new techniques, new strategies, and a new way of looking at sex where they've probably never thought of it before because they've been, you know, they've been stuck in their head and they don't really know what to do. Hello, friend, and welcome to the Eros Rising podcast, a podcast for men all about sex, where we'll combine real, authentic, down-to-earth conversations about sex with some pretty wild personal stories and practical how-to episodes as well to help you have the most amazing sex life you can possibly have. My name is Taylor, and I'll be your host on this journey. And in each episode, it's my goal to give you practical, actionable things that you can start doing today to improve your sex life and to improve your entire life. So let's begin today's episode by taking a deep breath in together through the nose. And exhale with an audible sigh. Thank you, friend, for being here. And let's begin today's episode. Eric Everhard, welcome to the show. Welcome, welcome. It's awesome to be here with you. Thanks for showing up. 
Yeah, thank you very much. Glad to be here. Yeah, man. I first heard you on the Shameless Sex podcast, and I thought, man, I want to have a conversation with this guy. <laughs> You've had some wild experiences, and I really appreciated how you talked about sex and the porn industry and your experiences in such a down-to-earth, practical way. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that here. Yeah, I know. Those gals are great. Um, I really enjoyed my time on their podcast. And yeah, you know, I mean... My mission is really how can I condense the lessons that I've learned over the last 24 years for guys in a way that's very practical and very actionable where they can level up their sex lives and not have to go through, you know, the crazy journey that I went through because, you know, it's not for everybody. Everybody says, oh, you know, I'd love to be a porn star. (laughs) And then if they're faced with the reality of it, they're like, hmm, about that maybe i'm not cut out for that yeah (laughs) i don't think i would be cut out for that i mean i remember to this day uh i was i was having a coffee in downtown los angeles and this this kid comes walking by and he sees me and he knows who i am right so i get the oh my god eric everhard blah 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 and he's so he wants the 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 selfie and all this Mm -hmm. and so we're, we're, we're chatting for a little minute and uh and and he goes oh man like I'd love to do porno. And I said, well, you know, there's, there's five criteria if you want to be world famous porno actor. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I started going through them. I just got to number two, which was, you know, you need to be able to ideally come within a minute of being told to, and not any time before. And he just looks at me wide eyed and he goes, what? (laughs) You don't just come whenever you want to. I was like, no, what, what planet are you living on? Like it's called the money shot for a reason. I am owned. I am owned. There is no come shot before you are told to. So, you know, that's something that it's not meant for everybody because it, it does require a very specific level of bodily mastery that, that you have to be really willing to put the time and effort into acquire. Yeah. And I imagine the average length for a current modern porn video is probably around five, six, seven minutes. And I imagine the average shoot time is probably hours, you know? Uh, oh, or, yo, yeah. yeah. I mean, you'll eat, well, usually they're going to want to have at least an hour of raw footage. Yeah. At the minimum. So, I mean, I've definitely been there where, you know, you were, you're starting a scene and 30 seconds in you, you feel the urge to have an orgasm and suddenly you're looking at the clock and you're like, Hmm, wow, 59 minutes and 30 seconds left to go. (laughs) (laughs) I better figure this out really quick here because, uh, you know, everybody's, everybody's job, everybody's paycheck, it's all riding on you. So it, it, it really gives you a sense of, um, pseudo what it's like to be a a sports athlete with the game on the line because in 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 some respects you are the quarterback and and it's all up to you and it's like well if it all falls apart nobody is blaming anybody but you because you were the the glue that was supposed to hold this whole thing together totally totally and i think this is something that not everybody appreciates and i didn't used to appreciate about the people who are in porn porn actors actresses etc it's like y'all are some top level performing athletes in the sexual domain like the things that you have to do with your bodies in order to get the shots and and 
it's, it's just mind blowing. It's amazing. You know, sex for an hour when you want to come in 30 seconds or people who have to hold themselves up in a crazy position by their arms with their ass in the air for the crazy angle scene that's sexy that most people would never do in their normal life, you know, never, super impressive. Never. Uh, so yeah, a lot of different directions I want to go in here for this conversation, but I'd like to start going a little bit back in time and ask you for the first question. If, if there's something that you wish you had known about sex when you were younger, that would have been really helpful for you that you had to learn along the way, what would you go back in time and tell yourself? Oh, if there was one thing that I would go back and tell myself, it would be, um, the mainstream media lies to you and you cannot trump biology. Mm. That would probably be one of the biggest lessons that I learned. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? What do you mean when you say that? So it's, it's something that I wrote about in my first book um, where I talked about the four different types of pussies. And what I meant by that was, you know, I, I had this, um, well, let's call it sort of an epiphany um, during my career where I remember the moment clear as day too. I was working with these two girls and, um, and we were doing this, uh, shoot. It was in a backyard by a pool. It was some swimsuit type, uh, type of video. Mm -hmm. And these two beautiful girls. And I'm thinking in my mind, okay, I'm going to create this high energy. I'm going to have them both bent over doggy. We're going to go back and forth. Like I'm going to create this whole dynamic threesome. Okay, go. Mm -hmm. And I start with the first girl and it's like, literally it's like one, two, three, maybe four strokes. And I'm like, whoa, okay. Like orgasm is here. Mm -hmm. Like, let me switch to the second girl. Maybe I can, in the time that it takes me to go from one girl to the next, I can regroup, get myself together. We can keep things going and nobody needs to be the wiser. Mm -hmm. So I do it. I start with the second girl and things are fine. And I'm like, hey, you know, my strategy worked. I got this. So going on, I could have gone for one hour or something. And, um, you know, so maybe it's five minutes. Go back to the second girl. Again, it's like one, two, three, four. Whoa. Mm. And I was like, okay. Interesting. What is the qualitative difference that I'm dealing with here? And that started, that started the, the real epiphany for me where it was there was so much more nuance to vaginas than what people would normally say, mm -hmm. right? It's like, we, you know, I mean, if we're looking at a guy's penises, I mean, we can objectively see the differences, right? You can say like, okay, well, this one's, you know, you got some big head, you got a small head, wide shaft, tiny shaft, uh, spongy, hard like steel. You got all these different qualities, right? Yeah. But nobody ever thinks that that exists necessarily with the vagina. They're just like, hey, loose tight. They're all the same, right? Yeah. No, 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 no. So you have to understand that the the quality of the skin, If you, I often will use this analogy. If you've ever had uh, a number of girlfriends and you put your hand on their thigh, even if we lined up 10 different girls and you say, okay, just put your hand on their thigh, mm -hmm. you're going to notice qualitative skin differences. Okay, so some girl, her skin may be... Um, not really firm, could be more kind of squishy. Then you could have another girl. Hers is like shea butter. It's like the softest thing ever. Mm -hmm. You could have another girl and hers is kind of maybe dry, a little scaly. You know, another one could be kind of tougher. Mm -hmm. 
And all of this has nothing to do with how attractive the woman is. It's just qualitative skin. Yeah. And then we start to realize that same qualitative skin is on the inside. And it makes a huge difference to what you are going to have from a sensations perspective. Mm-hmm. And you can't beat it. So I quickly learned, and that's why to answer your question, if I were to go back, I would know that there's no amount of communication that is going to overcome an extreme biological impediment. Mm. And, and I've, I think a lot, of, a lot of pundits out there do a disservice to relationships and do a disservice to men because they'll always say, well, if you just communicate more, your sex life's going to be better. No amount of communication is going to make me seven feet tall. No amount of communication is going to change the type of vagina and what works for you. Because, mm-hmm. again, it's not that one type is better than another. It's the fact that there really is a lock and key. And when you find and you know what type works for you, that generally what I've seen is always the type that works for you, right? Yeah. Um, from a sensation perspective. That's really interesting. And, man, so you... All right. When I think of most guys who are interested in women, most of us were not going out, selecting our partners, trying out like 30 different vaginas to try to find the right fit. You know, like you've obviously had a different experience with this. I mean, just for our understanding, do you have an estimate of how many people you've had sex with, at least on sets, you know, for your job? It's 5,000 plus or minus 500. Yeah. So you've had, you've had a really interesting, unique opportunity to actually feel the differences in all these different people and notice this. It's, that's, yeah, it's a super unique perspective. Well, and that's why, you know, I like to bring the sort of conscious awareness to guys because sometimes they might be in a relationship and they're like, well, the sex sucks. Well, let's kind of roll that back. Why does it suck? Mm-hmm. Right? Is it, you know, which, which level of it? Because there's sort of three parts to what I call sexual satisfaction. Number one, sexual alignment. Number two is sexual chemistry. And number three is sexual compatibility. And they are all very different. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we have to start looking and say, okay, where's, where's the kink in the armor? Because sexual compatibility, that might be movable. Mm-hmm. You might be able to bring somebody more into your world. But, but sexual alignment is, is purely biology. So if that's off, we can't fix that. And so that's sort of, you know, it, it, because I learned this because I stayed in a relationship for three years that was, the girl checked every box, mm-hmm. right? Except when we got to the important box that mattered to me, which was the sex life. Mm-hmm. And I stayed in it because I thought, well, it has to get better. Because I didn't have that frame of reference that, you know, the, this, this piece of biology cannot be overcome. Mm. You know, like I said, you know, I mean, hey, I could dream of playing NBA basketball, but there, no one's hiring the guy that's five foot 10 to jump the hoops, right? It's just not going to happen. And it's, it becomes the same thing. It's interesting. So when you think back to that experience with those two women and other experiences I'm sure you've had, mm-hmm. how much do you think your own personal chemistry with that person had an impact on your body's desire to ejaculate. You know, like there's the sexual chemistry piece. There's like a personal chemistry that we have with some people that we don't have with others. Does that ever come into play for you in those scenarios or is it, is it mostly like 
you're doing a job and you're mostly responding to biology and not so much to interpersonal connection. Well, for me, and this is the interesting thing, like one of the, I would say benefits and negatives of the porn industry, you know, and, and, and sort of, if we were to look at it, sort of the, the, the sex industry in general is that you, you learn how to fundamentally really separate sex from the emotional component. Mm. Because for a lot of people, they really just have them completely intertwined. All right. Yeah. Now I'm not saying that's good or that's bad on either side. I'm just saying this is what is. And so, when you have the ability to now separate the emotional from the physical component of sex, well, now everything you're paying t- attention to comes from a very sensory perspective mm-hmm. because that's really what is at the core of it, right? And so then when you look at from that sensory viewpoint, now you can see, well, okay, these things feel good and this is what works for my body. And it's not a connection piece that drives it. It's a biological body to body piece Mm. and like i said for that you will find people out there that are just an alignment for you and and it's like i said it's not saying that that anything is wrong about the person it's just simply how the key fits in the lock totally from that perspective i mean my my uh my good friend and, and business partner um one time this was 20 years ago probably at this point he uh, he had done a scene with a young lady, and he called me up, and he says, Everhard, you need to have sex with this girl. She has the most amazing pussy you've ever experienced in your life. <laughs> and imagine me, like, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, if he's saying this, this has to be just, like, the Taj Mahal or, you know, some, like, crazy experience. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and eventually, it was a couple couple months later, her and I ended up getting booked together for a uh, for another company. And I worked with her and I was just like, eh, uh, it's okay, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's when I realized, you know, what is, what is gold to one person is copper to another. Yep. Right? And so we, we can't even make um, the typical statements, you know, because you, you end up with all the locker room talk and all that stuff is, is, is bullshit too because, you know, you have this sort of, cliche as, as it would be where you know guys in the locker room everybody wants the super tight pussy it's like well if you've had one you may think differently mm-hmm. especially if you're well endowed i remember uh another performer that i know him and me were having a conversation about it and he goes he goes oh i hate girls with tight pussies he goes because because it's not fun he goes i can't have sex with them like he goes he goes i'm i'm horny i don't want to spend 20 minutes trying to work this thing in on some level he goes he goes it's like i want a girl that's like hey i'm horny for you let's go mm-hmm. so even within that the 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 trope that gets banded about you know sort of in the mainstream of 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 what men think you know when you actually get out there and you actually experience these things you you realize that nothing is black and white it's all these different little shades of gray in between mm-hmm. that that really make or break your sexual experience. And you sort of have to be conscious and be paying attention to them to see, you know, well, okay, of this totality of stuff out there that, you know, can be quote unquote sex, Mm -hmm. what is it that's going to work for me? 
What is it that's going to work for my body? And what actually turns me on and am I interested in? Yeah. Yeah. And just to say a piece about the tight pussy thing, like an anatomically tight pussy isn't really good for anybody, even the people like who have the vagina, because that means like there's constriction and contraction going on there. And the ideally it's a, a strong, supple, you know, not contracted vagina, like for their pleasure too. So they can actually enjoy the sexual experience and this whole, like, I want a tight pussy thing. I think most people, you don't actually want a tight pussy. You want like a strong or an open vagina, I would imagine. One that's not yeah, contracted. I mean, you know, you, yeah. And it, from my experience, I mean, again, we're dealing with genetics on a lot of this, mm-hmm. right? Um, where, you know, where it's the same as, okay, you've got, you know, guys that are hung like a horse and guys that aren't. I mean, you have girls that have all different shapes. So it's just that you have to understand, well, what is it that really works for you as a guy? Totally. And because that's ultimately, you know, when we start thinking about sexual relationships, and this is why it gets so complicated because when we're in relationship, there are so many factors that matter, mm-hmm. right? It's like, well, okay, we have to have someone that's got a nice personality. We have to find them attractive. We have to, you know, maybe we're looking for intelligence. We're looking for good family background. We're looking for all these things. But then a huge part of what makes us want to be in relationship and makes us different is the sex. Mm-hmm. So you can have all these amazing things and then you see these people where it's like, you know, they've got the, the intelligence, they have everything and the sex life sucks and the, the relationship falls apart. Yeah. Because, you know, there's, there's, there's so much about relationship that, you know, for good or for bad really does get tied into the sex between two people because otherwise we're just kind of friends. Right. True. And there's research out there to support this too. Like that the more a couple has healthy sex in their relationship, generally speaking to a point, like the better their overall relationship is. So, I mean, and yeah. (laughs) So let me ask you, does, is this, uh, in your personal romantic relationships, I, which I imagine you have outside of the porn industry, Mm -hmm. maybe you don't, but I imagine you do. Do you, work to separate your emotions and your inner world from the sexual experience in those contexts? Or do you find that it's, well, yeah, that's the first question. In which context specifically? So say you're, you're in a romantic relationship with some woman outside of the context of porn and you're going to have Mm -hmm. sex with them. Are you in that moment separating emotionality from sex and just going into the physically biologically stimulated sexual desire type experience with them? Or are you getting into, cause when you talked about porn, you said this main stimulus is coming from the physical pleasure response and you're cutting out the emotionality so you can do all the things. And I'm yeah. just wondering if it's different in your personal life. Well, yeah, I mean, everything is different when you're in your personal life. Um, for so many reasons, right. Um, you know, first and foremost, you have you have access to your emotionality and you have real access to psychological triggers for your libido mm-hmm. and for your erection. And those you you very likely will not have on a porn set. Mm. Right? Um and you're you're not gonna be dealing with 
potential dramas the same that may transpire in your personal life mm-hmm. um there's it's just it's so much easier you know it's like you're there you're going to have a good time you've got whatever great apparatus that you want to work on mm. probably a nice bed you know if you're like me <laughs> um so you've got so many things in your corner already and you're with somebody that fundamentally wants to please you or they you know they likely wouldn't be with you mm-hmm. so it, there's a lot of different things going on there you know when you're in the porn business you know part of the the reason you need to be able to if you're going to be good as an actor is to have that separation of emotions is because if things go sideways you need to be able to park everything else and you still need to be able to get hard mm. right and that needs to be your that that is your your first and foremost job mm-hmm. Right. And you cannot fail at that. So, you know, I had an experience once. This was probably, yeah, I think it was year 2000. And it was another famous actor. Um, him and me were working with one girl. And, um, and she, uh, she was a swinger and she got into the business. And, um, and at this time, there were some companies that were shooting with condoms. And she hated condoms. I think she actually had some sort of allergic reaction to them. Mm. And so we started the shoot. And sure enough, at quickly, she was having some pain. And she needed to take a break. And she started crying, right? Because she was just like, she's having this pain. And of course, well, if you're in your personal life, you can say, well, fuck the condoms. But, mm-hmm. you know, when you're on a set and the, the company says, no, that's what we have to do. That's our laws. You have to follow the laws. And so she needed a break and she, she, she was in some pain. She, she needed a little cry. And the, um, the other actor never got back. Mm. He couldn't get a hard-on after that. And for me, it was like, okay, you know, you, this is one of those moments where you, you have to be able to sort of park your emotions to get the job done. It's like, yeah. okay, you know, we're here. You know, cry, get, get yourself out. And then when you're ready, we'll get it back together and we'll, we'll push onward, right? And, that's, and that takes a a very special sort of mindset, mm-hmm. right? Because what I learned is, you know, the ability to control your mind is really the most important thing when it comes to sex. Mm. You know, if, if, if you can't control that, it's going to be difficult to overcome your anxiety. It'll be difficult to overcome your shame. It'll be difficult to overcome whatever presents itself in the sexual space that might be difficult. Yeah. I'm thinking after you just told that story, I've never seen a woman break down in tears in a porn video. (laughs) I've never seen people have to take time to actually come back to the scene in a porn video. And I'm like, wow, how much cut it out. Right. Of course. (laughs) But how much of that is actually going on behind the scenes that I don't see, you know? It's just a little mind blowing. I'm sure it's not yeah, ever. No but. aspects of that. I wouldn't say there's there's been that many of those, but I mean there've definitely been a few mo- moments like that. There have been um, I've witnessed where there have been um, huge arguments before, mm. um, you know, between the actors or the and the actress, and then it becomes almost like <laughs> becomes like a UFC cage fight. <laughs> Man, it really does. It really does because it's literally like the director at that point becomes like the referee, mm-hmm. and 
you know, there's like a timeout. The fighters go to their corner. Everybody regroups. And then literally the cameraman's like, okay, action. And it's the same thing like the referee being like, okay, fight. And you come back in. It's like you, you've just finished arguing with each other. So you, you, you're, you're angry. You don't like each other. But you're like, okay, but we're, now we're working again. So now we're going we're gonna to work here, right? Oh, and this is what, you know, this is really what gave me the depth of, of sort of understanding the human psyche and understanding what you needed as a guy to persevere through this kind of stuff. Because like I said, for most people, they may never have come across a situation like this. Mm-hmm. So they're not ready mentally to be able to deal with it. You know, and if you've kind of, you know, like anything, if you've experienced it and you've gone through it, you're like, okay, I know how to deal with this. I know how to reset my body. I know how to get back in the mood. I know how to move my libido in the direction that I want it to be. I know where my focus needs to be Mm -hmm. to be able to get hard, even though part of me is angry, but part of me can now do this, right? Or part of me can now overcome the the fears because I got to step out in front of, hundred people and do a live show. And so how do I, how do I get my mental state to be able to do that? Yeah. You know, all these things are, are things that you won't see if you're just a viewer of, of porno, you're just going to see the, the, the glossy finished product. Yeah, for sure. So being on the other side of the camera of porn so much is like, do you watch porn yourself? for entertainment does does it get you off do you get aroused by it or you're yeah never Never. (laughs) yeah i mean it it's it's funny too because um porn really like it let let's kind of step back and say okay what what is porn porn is fantasy Mm -hmm. right i mean we that's really the the basis of it it's like this fantasy for us and it's not a fantasy when you know all the players Mm. then it's just a documentary right and documentary (laughs) isn't nearly as sexy as fantasy so yeah um i mean even even when i when i got in the business i would yeah sometimes i'd watch stuff but it would have to be um some eastern european stuff or some foreign stuff where i didn't know anybody Mm -hmm. and i could you know functionally and then i don't know it just lost its luster and it, it was kind of interesting i think now everybody will be different, but I think for me, actually going through the porno journey and having been able to touch and explore pretty much everything really brought me right back to square one. Hmm. Like it was almost like, because, because, because if, if, if we were to really look at, okay, what, what, what turns me on, I mean, it'd be compared to some people out there, super vanilla, right? Mm. And like I said, you know, if you've gone the whole journey, the one good thing about that level of exploration is that you fundamentally really understand what it is you like. And you don't need to sit there saying, gosh, I wonder about doing this or doing that. It's like, you've done it, you know it. You're like, eh, not interested. Right. So I, 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 and this is something I'd be curious your take on it, but I know it's sort of my viewpoint on it. I think with, with, with sex, there is a very much of, um, um, oh God, what is the word that I'm looking for right now? Uh, ignorance is bliss sort of aspect to it. Hmm. Right. Um, 
And so I think really you kind of have to go two directions with it. Um, if you're going to have quote unquote, a, a more satisfying sex life, because the one direction is you marry somebody, they're a virgin, you're a virgin. That's your only experience because that will be bliss. You have nothing to compare it to, right? I've seen those people. They're very happy because there, there is no comparison. But as soon as you have a second person that you've slept with, now we have a comparison. Mm. And so once you've opened up the floodgates of comparison, I think you have to at least go down the rabbit hole enough to now understand that you're happy with your decision. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Because I think sometimes where, where you, you end up with um, the people where, where they are never satisfied, right? You know, maybe they, they were in five or 10 relationships, they got married and then they're like, well, I don't know, like, you know, because it's like, well, there's so much stuff out there. Mm-hmm. Mm, I don't know. What about this? What about that? Um, because, because they're not really solid in their choice and in their decision. And so I think you do have to say, look, you know, I'm really happy. Uh, I've experimented enough. I understand what I personally like, I understand what works for my penis, and now I can have this sort of agency around my choice, and I can be happy with it. You know, or you could just never explore anything because then there will be a bliss in that. (laughs) Yeah, especially if you never turn on Instagram or Facebook or any social media or TikTok and see all the people posting their bikini clad pictures or the sexy self empowerment stuff. Yeah, Yeah, don't ever turn on social media. Yeah, (laughs) and you'll be good to go. No problem. Exactly. Yeah, I, I can relate to that for sure. And even still, like I have had sex with nowhere near 5,000 people, not even a person. Yeah. But I have experimented enough to know that I still want to experiment more. Like even in my current mostly monogamish relationship, we have different levels of openness because we both value the exploration side of things. And I think, I don't know if we'll ever get done exploring. You know, we figured out mm-hmm. what we like, but part of that is newness too. Yeah. And so this whole piece about (laughs) getting into an argument with somebody on a porn set and then coming back and being able to have an erection again, I was looking at your website uh, before Mm -hmm. this conversation and saw you have a program out there that's available. Uh, I think it's called crushing anxiety or something about over you want to say the title yeah, of it? Crushing Performance Anxiety. Crushing mm-hmm. Performance Anxiety. And underneath it, you said that you have had, you've been able to get an erection on command thousands of times without fail. And then the interesting piece for me about that was that you said you have never taken Viagra or Cialis or any performance enhancing nope. drug. And that was a little mind blowing to me because I was listening to another podcast with some other porn people who said 80 to 90% of the guys in the industry are all using Viagra or some sort of performance enhancing thing. And so oh yeah, I was oh, just yeah. like, wow, that's, I'm super curious about that in my own personal life. I'm definitely not there. I, <laughs> I can't have an erection on command. I sort of susceptible to the emotionality of what's happening and all these other things. So I'm super curious and I know you have this course, but are there some things you can tell us about that now? Yeah. So here's the thing. You know, when I started, because I actually started in, in 1998, mm-hmm. April, 
April of 1998 was when I started in the porn business. And how old are you, just and for context? 21 years old. All right, cool. All right. And Viagra didn't exist. You know, there was nothing. Mm. And, you know, what was funny was there had been actors for, at that point, you know, 30, 40 years, right? So you, you I started in Canada and then you get down to LA and it's like now you're with the big dogs, right? Mm-hmm. And, and they were all doing it without these drugs, right? It wasn't until, it was about 2003 when you started seeing them come on the scene um, and then it just ramped up from there. But, you know, the, the biggest issue, again, this, this brings us right back to the mental aspect, is it became what I refer to as the reverse four-minute mile. So I'll explain that yeah, for please, you. Please do. <laughs> yeah. So so we all know about the the infamous four minute mile, right? Like it was like nobody could run a mile in four minutes, right? Until one day somebody managed to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, what happened as soon as they did it? I think it was two weeks later someone else did it. Three weeks tops, mm-hmm. right? Why? Because of belief. Right? And this is the thing all the time, right? It's like, well, we'll say something's impossible and then Somebody does it, and now we're like, oh, oh my God, what? I guess you can do it. Well, mm. you know, now everybody has belief. So what's, what's happened in the porn business is, is as, as the old guard of guys retired, right, the guys that could do it naturally, and now you had all these kids that, you know, everybody just wants the quick fix, and they figure, oh, you know, I've got the anxiety. I can't overcome the anxiety. Let me just take a whole bunch of pharmacological drugs, and yeah, life can be okay. Mm-hmm. And those don't still solve the problem. I have been there where I've seen a guy take, I mean, so much Viagra, he looked like his head was going to explode. <laughs> and he's woodless. Huh. Right? Interesting. Because your body will get used to the drugs, yeah. number one. And, you know, unless you're going to the, the nth degree that some of these guys are going now where they will, you know, use injections, you know, you still have to be able to overcome your anxiety for those drugs to work. Mm-hmm. They're not... They're not killing your anxiety, right? So, you know, if your, you know, if your adrenaline is, is pumping through your body hard enough, eh, it's not going to help, right? And it's like, well, still, you know, even, even within that, like, let's kind of step back and say, okay, well, why are you having this anxiety? You know, what, why are we just masking a problem? Why don't we go deeper and say, okay, well, you know, what, what's at the core of it, right? Mm-hmm. Where are you stuck in your head? Where are you unable to focus? Where are you thinking instead of doing? Where are you not setting yourself up for success in strategizing how your sex is going to happen so that you can perform at your highest level? I mean, I remember um, sitting in, uh, there, there was this old, old um, uh porno agent his name was jim south he was from texas i mean i'll tell you he was a character if you've ever seen one and i was sitting in his uh office one day and there was a legendary old school performer named tt boy and he liked me we got along really well um and he didn't like too many people but we always got along um he respected me i definitely respected him because he was the top dog i mean the guy Mm. could produce an erection on command and he'd been doing it since the 80s And uh, I remember he gave me a little piece of advice and he was was just talking about condoms and he was like, yeah, he goes, he goes, well, you you always got to bring your own to set because who knows what what they could have on set there. 
because you know if you have your own equipment now you ensure that you're going to be able to get hard so it was like even from that kind of perspective just being able to strategize and think things through you know mm-hmm. so that you didn't have to worry about maybe struggling so that you had agency and that you knew well okay if i set myself up properly i will be able to achieve an erection and there's going to be no stress and i know what's going to happen and i'm just going to have to follow these steps to make it happen and that's really sort of what i started to parse out in myself with so it was it became like well okay what are the steps that i'm going through right and i realized well okay first of all whenever i've been having anxiety because probably the most anxiety-ridden things I've ever done. I mean, definitely the most anxiety-ridden was um, I did a live scene in the town square of Budapest at high noon with police across the street. Man. Live scene and, and it's something that I use. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's all committed to tape. I mean, anybody with a, with a, with a Google search can find it. Yeah. Um, but I use it as a teaching instrument for, for some of my clients because the same process that I teach is exactly what I went through that day. And I, I mark out exactly where I'm doing specific things to start that um, self-belief within myself, to start the, the positive feedback loop of your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the problem is so often we go into a situation and the two worst words, I mean, your listeners should just banish these two words from their brains right now. All right. I hope. I hope. No Because more. those are the worst two things you could ever say in your brain. Because mm. you are presupposing things are going to go bad. I hope I get hard. I hope she likes me. I hope I can last long enough. I hope, I hope, I hope. Mm-hmm. Hope doesn't help you, right? We need to have certainty. Like that's really what we need. So it's like, okay, rather than hope, how can we start to biohack our bodies to give us some certainty so that now instead of starting that tsunami of negative emotions going down, we can build them up and, and go in a positive direction. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the things I do with the hint of blood phenomenon where I discovered, you know, look, if I can get just 10% blood flow, mm-hmm. 15% blood flow, my whole body will suddenly go through a reset. And now you got the belief system because the first thing that happens is you go, my dick works. Like that's literally the first thing that goes through your brain because, okay, I got some blood flow there. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it's going to be okay. It's functional. Right? And exactly. Because yeah. now we have verifiable proof. It's not fantasy. It's not, like it's in your hand. Hey, we got 10% blood flow in there. Proof. It works. Okay. Awesome. Now we can start thinking about, well, okay, if we need to go back in our mind a little bit, and this is one, something that I talk about where I talk about the, the default state mm-hmm. and understanding your default state, the default state becomes your metaphorical cookie jar, right? Because the default state is the true you. And this is the state of if there's nobody around, you know, if you were just at home, in your bedroom, in your office, whatever, and you had to, you had to masturbate, you had to jerk off, we would be looking at, well, okay, What's the quality of your heart on? How long does it take you to get hard? You know, how long does it stay hard? You, we start to look at all these qualitative measurements of your heart on, right? But now we can say, this is the true, the true you, right? Mm. There's no anxiety. There's nobody else present. It's just you and your penis. 
This is who you are. So anything that's not that is not true, right? So you you have to understand that and really kind of burn that into your brain because, you know, you could be in a sexual interaction with somebody and, you know, it's not going the way you would want it to go, mm-hmm. right? And a lot of guys, what they'll do is they'll be like, oh, see, my dick doesn't work. I'm broken, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. It's like, hold on a second, buddy. Maybe it's not your best day today, of which there could be a million factors, right? I mean, we can't sit there and say that it's all because, you know, you have um, this, that, or the other. I mean, I've had days where I would think I'm super horny, and yet I have a 95% erection. Like, there's those times where you can have that plus extra 5% where it's like, you know, we used to refer to it as, as a glass cutter, yep. right? You can play a drum with it. And then it. there's those times it's like, <laughs> it's hard, but I'm like, yeah, but I could, you know, if I stopped having sex, I could lose it in 30 seconds as well, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to really sort of look back and say, okay, well, I might be struggling now, but this is a one-off, and I know fundamentally how my penis works, right? Like, I I, I know that default state because that's the real me. So then it's something that you can sort of latch onto in the moment rather than going down that negative rabbit hole of making the moment, and it's just a moment, but making it your whole identity, because that's what's going to bring it up the next time where you, now you get back in the situation and, oh, I failed last time. I'm just a failure. Well, now, now we're, we're trying to, we're, you're making it into an identity when it's not that. Mm-hmm. We just had a bad day at the office. And a bad day at the office can happen to anybody. But it's like, you, I, I often like to use the analogy of a goaltender, right? You, I'm, I'm a hockey fan because I'm Canadian, right? But you look at the good goaltenders. They let in a goal and they look, okay. You know what? It's not one zero. It's zero zero. We're starting the game over. You just have to park it in the past. Mm-hmm. You can't ruminate on. It. You have to focus on. Okay, well, what's in front of me now, right? So it's like okay, rather than thinking about the time, you know, two weeks ago, last month where you failed, let's focus on the girl that's in front of you right now. Let's focus on pleasuring her. Let's focus on what we are doing to her because we can't be doing and thinking at the same time, mm-hmm. right? Like if we are going in one hundred percent focused attention on on being able to feel what her clit is doing, being able to feel her emotions, being able to feel the wetness, being able to feel the tension. If we're now focused on all these things, we're not sitting here in our brain because you you can't have that level of understanding of the woman's biology and be able to feel what she is feeling so that you can get her off and be stuck in your head. Mm -hmm. It's just impossible. Like If you're in your head at that point, then you're not paying attention to anything of her and your chances of getting her off are very slim. Yeah. Oh man, that's good. So you, you haven't specifically used the word presence, but I think presence is a huge thing that you're talking about. You're just being present in the moment with what is. And earlier I remember you said something about like, you're kind of separating your emotions from the experience and you're responding Mm -hmm. to the physical stimuli in the porn context. But it, it also sounds to me like you're not just setting your emotions aside, but you're cultivating an inner state of a positive emotionality and you're just sort of maybe beaming that out instead of just disregarding it all. It sounds like you're really cultivating a useful high functioning inner state to be able to have sex and to be able to have an erection versus just cut. Oh, the, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it, it's all presence. Yeah. It's all presence. Um, and it's, it's because at the end of the day, 
you need to really be able to feel everything that's going on with her, right? You know, and so it takes a, a hyper level of focus, a hyper level of awareness. Um, it takes being able to feel the layers of subtlety, right? You know, it's like when you get good, you can feel how a, a clit gets more and more erect, right? Like, and, and that becomes your, your golden ticket because now, now it's going to tell you everything that's working or is not working. Mm-hmm. But it takes this very special level to be able to feel that. It's, it's no different than, I remember, um, because before I was into porno, uh, I was going to a massage therapy school. So hmm. I was coming to be a massage therapist. And we would have some um, therapists there. I mean, they would put their hands on you and they could feel so many layers deep into your skin. They could feel inflammation. They could feel the different bony processes. Mm-hmm. They could feel where all the ligaments were. They could, you name it. And it's like, you know, for us at the time, we're just putting our hands on there. We're like, oh, we just feel some skin. And they're like, no so much deeper like and they could just feel it all because mm-hmm. they had had they had such sensory abilities and they had practiced and they had honed their craft and it really becomes the same thing with sex right like when you when you spend time and you're consciously aware and you're focusing and you're 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 feeling everything to be able to see okay where are the minute changes where's the nuance where where is her body telling me the rabbit holes that I need to go down further, mm-hmm. you know, which could be speed, pressure, technique, right? These things. But if you if you're not paying attention, you're not feeling the body, and the body tells you what you have to do next. Like it tells you everything. You just got to be able to listen, and you need to be able to feel it. Mm-hmm. And that really is just from that presence. Like you know, it's, I like to use the term focus, but we could use presence just the same. Yeah, focus, presence awareness in the moment, not in your head, not ruminating Mm -hmm. about shit. Yeah. So I notice it's, um, when you're even speaking right now, you have a certain cadence and a relaxed way that you're speaking about things that I imagine has been cultivated in this sort of presence that we're talking about that you've carried into the porn experiences with you. And I'm wondering, have you always had this sort of relaxed cadence about you or is that something that you've cultivated over time and did yeah. Yeah. Does that I, relate I to porn? Know. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say it's from porn. I think it's just it's the way that my my brain just processes stuff. Um, you know, because for me, a lot of the times as we're having these discussions, we're 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 cultivating new thoughts and my brain is thinking about sex from new different angles mm-hmm. and how can I how can I teach people from a new place? So for me, it's just my brain always thinking and that's how, how the cadence comes about because there's so much active thought in the moment saying, okay, well, what's a new direction that we can come at this from so that we can explore it further? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Fascinating. This is, this is great. <laughs> Thanks, man. I've got one more topic I'd love to go into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, far away. Anal sex. Anal sex in porn. I think uh, on the Shameless Sex podcast, they said something to the, or you said that you've gotten the name, is it the anal whisperer, the ass whisperer, or the ass opener? The ass opener. The ass opener. (laughs) Ass opener, yeah. (laughs) So you've had a lot of anal sex too Mm -hmm. with women. Um, And 
I'm wondering if you could speak to the the difference from what we might see in porn videos to what's actually happening behind the scenes. Because for a lot of guys, porn is a, for better or worse, it's an educational resource, an unintentional educational resource that we've, we base our sexual behaviors on and we're not seeing all the other things that go into that. So say you're, you have an anal scene coming up or in the past you had an anal scene coming up. How did that actually start? What did you have to do to be able to, to do that? Well, so, I mean, there's so much to unpack here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I mean, first off, yes, you're correct in that when it comes, when it comes especially to anal, there really isn't any education that you're going to find within porno. Mm -hmm. And the reason I say that is, is simply the fact that at the end of the day, Porn is not for education, it's for entertainment. Yeah. And we sort of really, you know, people, y- you can't say that, that porn is good or porn is bad. It just is what it is. But it is first and foremost and only a source of entertainment. Absolutely. Therefore, there's stuff that is boring that simply will get edited out because it doesn't add to any entertainment value, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean... So to bring it back to the uh, quote unquote ass opener, um, <laughs> so I got that I got that infamous title um, simply because I'll go through my process with women, um, and usually the director would say, "Okay, Everhard, open up the ass, right?" And so before we start shooting, I'll spend five or ten minutes, and I'll go through my process, and I'll get her opened so that she's ready. But then, of course, when the cameras are rolling, it's like action. Well, she's been opened up so everybody can just slide right on in. Mm-hmm. But that's not reality, you know? And, you know, one of the things, um, I mentioned this to someone earlier, you know, it's funny because when we think about anal sex, and I've said this on on, on a numerous different podcasts, I believe, but I said, you know, it's not that women women fundamentally have a problem with anal sex. They have a problem with the guy before you that did it badly. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the biggest things, right? Because I know how, you know, if we were to line up 20 girls right now, bring them on the show, ask them, hey, how'd your first anal sex experience go? I guarantee you how it's going to go. <laughs> Thumbs right? down. They're going to say, hey, you know, I got wasted, right? And then boyfriend, maybe if he was lucky, spit on the head of his dick, maybe. Mm-hmm rammed it in full stroke i cried i never wanted to have anal sex again end of story line up all the girls and it would pretty much be that that would be the story right (laughs) Um, oh man yep and so and and so that's where the fear of the anal sex comes from because it's it's not that there's anything that they have against it until they've experienced it and then because whoever did it badly did you know they were the one before you now they're gun shy and they're like nope nobody's ever touching my ass again that was super painful don't want it horrible 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 Mm -hmm. and that's not how it needs to go it's just that again there's a lack of education like guys don't understand well okay how do i go about this what do i have to do you know what lubes would be good? What is the position I need to start in? How does the how does the ass even work? Because they don't really know. You know, they're thinking like it's just like a pussy, and they're vastly different. Yeah, 
Night and day, totally, totally night. Yeah, man. <laughs> night and day, chocolate and vanilla. Yeah. Right. Oh, man. <laughs> Don't take that too far. <laughs> but yeah. But I think I think that joke, the chocolate and vanilla thing too. I mean, that's another fear for a lot of people is the poop factor. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. And and you know when I when I coach men in my um, in my twelve week mastery course, we have a a whole. I think there's two weeks that I just dedicate to anal sex. Mm. And one of the first things we go through into is mindset. And like, look, you know, you have to, you have to really understand, well, first of all, why do you want to do it? Right? Because usually you're going to have a couple different factors when it comes down to anal sex, Mm -hmm. right? It's either you want to do it because of novelty, you want to do it because of dominance, or you want to do it because you think it'll feel better. Really, for guys, it's those are your three reasons to do it, hmm. right? It, there's a sense of like power because I'm fucking you in the ass, so it's a whole dominant thing, you know. Or there's a I've you know it's just novel, or you know it's just something where you think it's going to feel better depending on on the size and shape of your penis, right? Yeah. Um. So you know that's kind of the the guys rationale for it and one of the things that i talk about in the course is like okay well where are you at with the idea that there could be a mess Mm -hmm. because here's the thing if it's going to mess with your heart on and mess with your erection i tell my clients avoid it altogether Mm. because it's not going to it's not going to help your relationship at all right and it's one of those things that, you know, you have to understand. It's like, it's like surfers, right? You know, you go out in the ocean, they're like, hey, are there sharks in here? Well, is the water salty? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you want to go, go fuck a girl in the ass? Well, there might be some poop in there, right? Yeah. Probably Dude, far you're, more you're, likely there'll be poop than you're going to get eaten by a shark. Yeah, <laughs> but they both exist. Yeah. So, so we have to start from that place and you have to fundamentally be, okay, well, this could happen. How is it going to affect me mentally, mm-hmm. right? That needs to be number one because the worst thing that you can ever do as a man, and I discovered this early on, how your frame is and how you relate to a potential mess is going to alter your sexual relationship with that woman forever, because trust me, if she, you know, quote unquote, shits on you, mm-hmm. she is absolutely mortified. Like, it's probably the most embarrassing thing that a woman could go through, mm. right? For most of them. And how you deal with it matters more than anything else. Like, you, it has to be such a nonchalant zero factor for you. And you have to make sure she understands that it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. And you have to move through the mess as fast as possible so that it's not even a thought in her mind and she won't ruminate on it. Yeah. But if you make a, ooh, gross, uh, 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 run to the bathroom, shower, 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 you're never fucking her in the ass ever again. That's potentially traumatizing too. You no, know? yeah, yeah. It's, she's traumatized and it is never happening again. Mm-hmm. So y- your response to a mess matters more than anything. 
you need to really be able to hold your frame and be like, yeah, no problem. You know, happens to me all the time, even if it doesn't, you know, quick baby wipe off you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shit happens. <laughs> and if, shit and if happens, when shit happens, right? your brain and is going to break, then you maybe don't do that. Exactly. Yeah. Like if, if it's, if it's something where you think, well, this may, you know, cause me some sort of uh, erectile dysfunction or it could cause me to, you know, gag or it could cause me to whatever. If it's going to cause you any sort of strife, mm-hmm. then I would say don't go into it because those things will likely at some point happen, right? If this is something that you are eager to partake in all the time, there's going to be a little mess one day and you just have to move on with it and make it not a big deal. Cause if it's not a big deal to you, then it won't be a big deal to her. Yeah. Right. And then sex can go on. Connection can go on and exactly. Beautiful pleasure can continue on. And yeah. So I'm in the process. I know we're coming up on the end of our time here, but I want to share this one, a uh, couple more pieces, but I'm in the process right now of putting together an anal guide. And as part of that, I'm doing some research. I'm actually watching a lot of porn videos specifically about anal sex and mm-hmm. measuring different metrics in terms of like, what's the amount of time from when the anus is first touched to full penetration happens? Are they showing the application of lubricant or anything like that? And I have yet to see a video where it's shown that lube is applied. I haven't seen any videos with poop in them in the most popular ones. Usually the average time from when the anus is first touched to when it's full penile insertion is about 10 seconds or less, you know? (laughs) Sounds about right. Yeah. Sounds about right. Sounds about right for the finished product. And there's like, yeah, there's just so much more going on behind the scenes. And I'm sure in porn, sometimes poop happens too. Oh, all the time. All the time. Yeah, I, I, man, I, I, there's not a go, enough gold in this world for the amount of times that I've been shit on by a woman in, in the in the business, and you, you cut it out, right? Um, yeah, we're not cutting that but, line out of this podcast, though. That's it. <laughs> right? You're yeah. like, that was the golden line. Yeah, that's good, um, but it's true. It's true. I mean, it it happens, right? And um, and even when you know, as you say, the the time from from entrance to full penetration is a minute i mean on the set that's how it goes yeah right there 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 is no cut there it's just the fact that either the girl herself or a guy like myself has opened her up five minutes beforehand so that when the cameras are rolling yeah it is 10 seconds because you know we already we already did the work so to speak um and that could be the woman doing it um, or, you know, for some girls, they need the guy to do it and then I'll, I'll help them out. Yeah. Um, so is it pretty clear when you're going into a scene that like you are going to do anal in this scene? Is that all pre-regimented by the director? Oh yeah. Yeah. Everybody knows everything. Okay. You know? So you're not, so there's no, it's never any surprises. Cool. So you're not like just in the process of sexual exploration in the porn. You're like, these are the objectives we need to hit. These are the scenes we need to make. And then bam. And yeah, you you know you know everything that you are going to be doing beforehand. It's all been spelled out. The girl knows. You know, uh, directors told you, hey, and and that's a that's where there's mm, what I find to be the good directors give you a lot of leniency um, because they'll say they'll just give you the 
the overarching theme of what they'd like. And then they're like, just give it to us however works the best for you. Mm -hmm. And then you'll have other uh, directors where they really want to micromanage absolutely every aspect to where you're almost like a, a penile robot, right? So it, there's, there's a vast array in the way that it shows up, but still everybody knows the game before you go in. It's just how do you execute it? That's what, what can always be different. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. How are you doing on time? Do you have space for another question or two? I'm yeah, super yeah, intrigued. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. Cool. I'll take a sip of water too. Uh, hmm. So question for you. This is, it's funny. Like this one, I noticed it feels a little edgy to ask because I don't know your beliefs or thoughts around this, but sure. there's a whole uh, massive group of guys out there that have a problematic relationship with the amount of porn that they watch. And they, mm -hmm. a lot of people use the word porn addiction. And I've even said that about my experience in the past. I've come to a place now where I see it as entertainment and not, I don't feel like there's an addictive piece there, but what would you say to men who feel like they have a problematic relationship with watching porn? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's fascinating because I've gone, like I said, I've, I've run the gamut with all of it. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I was a, I was a big porn fan before I got in the business. So was I an addict? Yeah, probably at one point I would definitely have to say that. Um, so I could almost say that, you know, in some ways being in the porn industry definitely cured me of that, hmm. which is you know, kind of funny. Um, but then also, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very, you know, kind of open in my beliefs about porn. I mean, is it the worst thing in the world? No. Is it saving marriages and saving lives? In my opinion, no. So, I mean, if we were to have it on a scale, right, mm -hmm. where plus 10 is this is the greatest thing since sliced bread and negative 10, we're all <laughs> going to hell, I put it at negative two. Mm. Like, I think it skews slightly net negative. And that's only because when I look at over all the years, all the people that I've seen and the people that I've known and and the different people that will come to conventions and stuff, um, it's definitely the kind of thing where I think I've seen it hurt way more relationships than it ever helped. Mm. So, I mean, and now I think it's, it's tougher than ever, right? I, like I couldn't imagine being a kid today mm. because I mean, when I was a kid, you know, we our our version of access to porn. Well, first was the Sears catalog. Uh -huh. I think anybody <laughs> my age has jerked off to the lingerie section of the Sears catalog. Yep. Me. Um, yep. Right. Yeah, yeah. Guilty as mm -hmm. charged. Um, so you've got that. And then, you know, growing up in the age when I did, you know, it was pre-internet. You were lucky if you had one or two movies you had access to or a couple Playboy magazines. And that was it. So it wasn't the same dopamine hit that kids get today. Because yeah. now it's like, man, click, click, boom, click, boom, boom. click. You can go through thousands of images mm -hmm. for free now of course mind you at the hit of a button i mean it's it's sort of horrible to think of you know now you're a kid you've got testosterone raging through you and you've got access to all this porno and now you're also in a situation where there's very little 
masculine guidance. True. Right? It's like, you know, if we kind of look at, at, at what, you know, in, in a lot of ways has happened to the internet, you know, now you've got, you know, you got the manosphere, you've got the red pill, you got the dating coaches, you got, you know, I mean, there's all stuff and some of it's good and some of it's bad. I'm not saying either way, but you do have a lot of young men that are looking for guidance. They're looking for a fatherly figure or somebody with information that can say, you know what? Hey, Johnny, I know you didn't get this at 13 when you should have. So now we're going to give it to you now. Mm -hmm. I mean, I went through the same thing. I remember, um, probably some of the greatest learning I got was, was when I was 18 through 20, because I, I had discovered, you know, weightlifting and bodybuilding. And then, uh, I worked at this gym, uh, which was the absolute avatar of every kind of masculine meathead character you could ever imagine. We had drug dealers, we had (laughs) bikers, we had, we had one guy who was, who went to the world's strongest man. I mean, you know, and, and I was, you know, before that I was, you know, in, growing up, I was the fat little kid in school, right? So it's like now I discovered weights, I started dieting, I got in really good shape, mm-hmm. and now I'm around these icons, and they really took me under their wing, mm. right? And they're like, all right, kid, you know, you're soft, but we like you. Come on board. If you're willing to squat until you puke in the bucket like the rest of us, you can join the club. And I did. Nice. So it was... It was this sense of, you know, masculine brotherhood. And I think, you know, that's what a lot of a lot of kids now are just sort of lacking, you know, because again, now, you know, masculinity is bad. Doing all these things are bad. And guys are just looking for they're looking for help. They're looking for an answer. Yeah. I think you're speaking to something really important here too. And that's the importance of guidance and the importance of mentorship. And when I think back to some of the most growthful periods of my life, the reason they were able to happen was because I sought out some form of mentorship or support or guidance, you know, from somebody who had been there or who could at least help me navigate this kind of stuff. And I didn't have this when I was younger either. And it's one of the main reasons I'm doing what I'm doing now too, is because I wish I had somebody like me when I was 21, because I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. You know, I was a mess. I was a sexual mess. And so, yeah, thank you for the work that you're doing too. It's, it's cool to see you here now being a men's coach, helping men overcome all this stuff, being on the other side of the porn industry, because you have this super unique perspective to bring to it that that's pretty rare, honestly, in the whole manosphere and the, the internet right now. And so, yeah, yeah I well, I mean, that, that was, that was, that, that was the whole thing that really became apparent to me. It's like, okay, I mean, I'd been searching. I mean, I, I, I studied NLP. Um, I was doing, you know, sort of coaching in a roundabout way, but I wasn't thinking I was going to be doing it for a living. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was getting all the credentials where I'd be able to do it. And that was kind of the thing that really struck me. It's like, look, you've gone through this crazy experiment and you've got this knowledge that it's so unique because, you know, it's just not something that most people are going to experience, nor should they, Mm -hmm. right? But within it, there's definitely a lot of knowledge that I don't think you could obtain any other way. And so that's what I try and, and, and give to my clients is like, a new perspective, new techniques, new strategies, and a new way of looking at sex 
where they've probably never thought of it before because they've been, you know, they've been stuck in their head and they don't really know what to do. You know, it's like, you know, I, I often, I say, well, you know, because everybody says, oh, I want to be confident. It's like, well, okay, what is confidence? Well, at the base of it, it's competence. Mm. You know, it's, it's an after effect. So you get confident once you become competent. And we get competent by having correct information and knowing what to do. Because if we just throw somebody out there into the wild and we don't give them proper instruction, it could take them 30 years to figure out what they need to be doing, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you want to go hit a baseball. Well, we can give you a bat. We can give you a ball, throw you out in the backyard. Well, you may not become Sammy Sosa. Yeah. Guarantee you, if we brought, if we paid Sammy Sosa to come and teach you how to hit that ball, probably in a couple of weeks, you'd be hitting it really good. Mm-hmm. And the importance of training, for sure. Yeah. So it sounds like competence, presence, and this thing of embodiment being, yeah, just really in your body and not in your head. Like those are three mm-hmm. of the major keys to being a successful sexual being, sexual man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, just, you know, because like I said, not everybody wants to or needs to be a porn actor. What they need to be is they need to be the best version of themselves for the woman they're having sex with, right? So that she can really well one she can be having lots of orgasms and two she can feel really comfortable in her decision to be with you yeah right you know you you hear all the time you know the kind of the i don't know if it's a trope because it is true i mean hypergamy is real right Mm -hmm. like so we can we can we can say you know there is a hypergamous nature to women but does that mean that they're all going to be jumping ship at the slightest notice well in my experience no yeah and in my experience one of the one of the things that can fight against that the the most is your sexual skill set because you know for good or for bad and i'm living proof of this a woman will tolerate a hell of a lot from you if you know how to get her off at will not saying it's a good thing, but I have experienced it. Yeah, and you can gloss over a hell of a lot of your shortcomings. Trust me. Trust me. Yeah. So I've heard people you say know, yeah, I've heard people say that for sure. Yeah. 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 She may say, Oh, he never cleans up the house. He doesn't do this. He doesn't know. Oh, but God, does he fuck the hell out of me good? Yeah. Yeah. She'll stay with him for a long time. <laughs> better or worse. For better or for worse. Yeah. Oh man. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for this conversation. It's been rich, super insightful, and I've learned a lot. And um, yeah, I'm stoked. No, you're welcome, I'm stoked man, to, anytime. Yeah, I'm stoked to check out your course too. I think that's awesome. It's yeah, I'm definitely going to check it out. And where can people find you? Yeah, so they can find me at uh, ericeverhard.com or crushingperformanceanxiety.com. Either one of those, um, if they're looking to overcome their anxiety in the bedroom, if they want to learn the techniques that I've used and used effectively over the last 23 years, they can just go there and check all that stuff out. Awesome. And you're on Instagram too. And Yeah, I am. I am spreading daily gospel wisdom. Uh, my <laughs> uh, handle on Instagram is at Eric Everhard Official, and that's Eric with a K. Nice. And I'll put all those links in the show notes too. Thank you, everybody, for listening, for being here for this episode. Thank you again, Eric. It's been an awesome conversation, and I hope you all Yeah, have, thank you. Let's do it again. For sure. I hope you all have a beautiful rest of your day. Cheers to your success and your pleasure. 
Peace. Thank you, friend, for listening to this episode. I have one request before you go. If you got something useful, if you got something valuable from this episode, please take a moment right now to go to Apple or Spotify and leave a review of this podcast. That'll be really, really helpful. It'll do two things. Number one, it'll let me know that you actually like this podcast. Number two, it'll help more people find this podcast. And I think that's really important because I believe we all need to be talking about sex more. So the more I share it, the more you share it, the more we all talk about this, the better everyone's lives will become all around the world. So thank you. Thank you for sharing this wherever you share it. Thank you for your review. And if there was anything about this episode that really hit you, that really struck you or impacted you, please shoot me a message too on Instagram or with an email and let me know. I'd love to hear how this has impacted your life. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you again. Cheers to your success. Cheers to your pleasure. And I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Thank you.